Praise God. Praise the Lord, everybody. There's excitement in the house tonight. Thank God for that kind of excitement. Aren't you glad that you serve a God that you can feel? Amen. Um, I appreciate especially all the young folks here tonight. All you young folks decided to join all us old folks. We're very grateful. Amen. Uh, give honor to all the ministry uh, that is here and uh, all the preachers of the gospel. Uh, I love preachers because that's what it took and that's what it's taken to save me. Amen. And uh, good to see Brother Eads here tonight. Um, God bless him. Um, known these folks for a long time. Um, and um, Brother LaVon um, put pressure on me. Said I could throw down. I, I'd rather for them to just say this is about the third or fourth time I've ever preached. And you know, and, and really just set the bar low, and then you don't have to do much. When they do stuff like that, you're like, oh, man. Man. Uh, give honor to Brother Griffiths. Um, what a friend he has been to me. He is, uh, our church has benefited from his ministry without him even being there. <laughs> he has shared with me some of the series that he has taught and in prayer and looking at them, um, I have taught, um, I believe, two, one or two, I think two of those series um, to our church. And, and, and they have both um, transformed our church and helped us, I uh, believe, in sharing the Word and, and studying the Word. We all preach it like we preach it uh, ourselves, but I like getting uh, information and studying on that information, and I appreciate Brother Griffiths. What a work that's going on here. What a beautiful building um, that I hear uh, you are fixing to move out of. <laughs> that's awesome. It really is. That's awesome. We're not settlers. We're pioneers. Amen? We are pioneers. Brother, brother and Sister Griffiths, I appreciate you all and love you all very much. Thank you for inviting me to come and be a part of this tonight. I know you've been standing for a while. And um, to Brother Ivy, um, my sidekick, um, he is on staff. Man, he is. He, he basically pastored his father-in-law's church for 15 years. Um, he's van, he traveled, preaching, I mean, on and on, him and his wife. His wife's gifted in music. Um, and he came on staff with us here a while back. And, and so I, I asked him if he would come with me tonight. And um, so he came with me tonight. And, and I stepped out of the, the restroom from getting ready. And he had on a black pinstripe suit. And I said, no, you didn't. You didn't. I said, they're not going to be able to tell us apart. They're going to think we're twins. we got to wear these Sunday to our church. We've got to wear them. You wear your Sunday, I'll wear my Sunday. We're going to mess with them. Mess with them. Uh, I, pr- 
appreciate him, his ministry. He's a gifted, gifted man. And um, uh, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, I must hurry along. The word of the Lord, i got some things to talk about tonight. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. We'll be reading one verse of Scripture there. Um, and <clears throat> I hope that I can shine some light on this Scripture. Uh, Brother Soundman, um, you are my Savior. Um, I preached three nights in a row, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday this week, and my voice is a little raspy, and I would like to save some for the church that I'm blessed to pastor this Sunday. So if you could help me. <laughs> if I don't have a voice Sunday, they might not take too um, <clears throat> good me traveling much um, so I need to save a little voice for them. So if much monitor you can give me without messing anything else up, I appreciate it very much. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, be sober. Look at somebody and say, be sober. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil. And I want you to take your finger and look at your neighbor and put it right in their face and say, your adversary. Look at somebody else. Say, your adversary. Right, your adversary. You see, because while I'm preaching this tonight, you're going to be thinking, boy, I wish so-and-so was here. Man, if man, if man, they could have been here, oh, God. Your adversary. I'm preaching to everybody in this building, including myself. Your adversary, the devil. As a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. We will just call this the lion message tonight. Everybody say the lion message. Lay down your Bibles, lift up your voice, and let's pray like a Pentecostal church one more time for God to open our ears to hear. Could you do that? Ask God to help us. Open one by my chair if you want to get that one. I'll lay it. I'll lay it right here. That's cool. There's no problem. I'm sorry. Let's begin to clap our hands to the Lord, shall we? God. Hallelujah. God bless you and you may be seated. How many would agree with this preacher tonight that we serve a God that loves us? A God that loves us. No matter how much any Christian or group of Christians would take the grace of God and stretch it to disgrace. God is still a God of grace. And no matter how much they would abuse the love of God, God is still a God of love. And this God knows us. He knows everything about us. God is doing everything that he can to see to it 
that you and I make it to that place called heaven. He wants to save us. And so, therefore, we must understand He knows everything about our life. God knows your name. He knows your parents' name. He knows your address. He knows, if it's not under the blood, what you done yesterday, what you done today. And if you believe in the foreknowledge of God, what you're going to do tomorrow. God is, everybody say, all-knowing. God is all-knowing. And so, therefore, He knows your temptations, what you struggle with. Those things that are might be your shortcomings. He knows what they are. He knows your struggles that you have daily. He knows the things that you might be tempted with that someone else might not be tempted with. That's a good thing because God is trying to help us with our struggles. With every temptation, He will make a way of escape. And so he's trying to help us and trying to keep us from falling and help us to overcome. Look at somebody and say, God knows everything about you. Now, I am not comparing God to the devil tonight because God is not, or the devil rather, is not the opposite equivalent of God. The devil never has been a God, never will be a God. There's only one God and His name is Jesus Christ. Amen. But as well as there's a God that loves us, there is a devil that hates us. And there's a devil that knows your name. And when I say devil, I am speaking of fallen evil spirits, not simply the devil himself. So, there is a, a devil that knows your name, knows who your parents are, knows what you done yesterday, what you done today. He knows your temptations. He knows what you struggle with. He watches you as a lion would watch their prey. He's waiting for that open door. Was it said to Cain? Cain, if thou doest, if thou dost not do well, sin lieth at the door. The devil is waiting for an opening. An opening. So he watches us. He knows, he knows what we struggle with and what we are tempted with. He studies our every move. Um, when this scripture was penned, I think it was penned for a reason. Um, Simon Peter lived in a time and a place where lions were still around. I do not believe that when he penned these words that he was just doing it because of some animal that caught his attention. I believe as he wrote the inspired word of God, 
that in this word he is trying to get us to understand what we are fighting against, what we are warring against, what is after us. And so tonight, let me make a disclaimer and say I'm not here to uplift the devil. I am not here to brag on the devil. The only good thing I can say about the devil, he, he's a good devil. Amen. Uh, so I'm not here to elevate him, but there's not a boxer that steps in a ring that he does not study his opponent. We do need to know what we are fighting today. Amen. We need to know a little bit about what is after us and what is angered at our lifestyle and what is in us. And so as Simon Peter began to think, since the devil is spirit and, and no one can see or study what he is like with the visible eye. What can I describe the devil as? So that people can look at this creature and say, this is like what I am against. So he is seeking an object, right? We don't walk around seeing devils all the time. We don't walk around seeing spirits all the time and Having lunch with Belzebub. And if you do, you need to really be delivered from those drugs you're taking because you're really wigging out. Now I know from time to time that spirits are exposed to us. And there are different times when those have seen spirits. But as normal everyday life, we don't wave at them going to work. Unless they're in the form of flesh. Praise God. You might think you're... Nah, I ain't going to say that. I'll... So he's trying to depict the devil as something. And so as his mind begins to race, there is a reason he chose the lion. Are you with me? Out of all the beasts of the field and the forest that he could have chose, he said, your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, I um, have not really thought much of this scripture when I read it as an American, I, 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 it's never really done much to me because I don't understand what lions are really like. I mean, you don't, you don't say, okay, honey, yeah, you can go play in the backyard, but watch the lions. Right? Our experience with lions are at the zoo. Oh, he looks so cuddly. Well, what you need to understand is the reason why they have signs that says don't feed the lions is because that lion would much rather have your arm than the popcorn and peanuts you're throwing at him. I, I, I was just, I was in an airport yesterday on the layover and, and, and heard an audio feed over the speakers about a, a woman that was just killed by a lion and I turned around and on the screen there, a 24 year old young lady that had been training and, and practicing at training cats 
uh, was just killed by a full-grown male lion that was supposed to be a lion that is domesticated. And we'll get there in just a moment. I was... I was talking to my father one day. He's evangelized for years and he said, I've got some books I want to bring you. I love to hunt. And uh, he said, I've got some books I want to bring you about a man by the name, kind of ironic, by the name of Peter Capstick. And said, this man uh, hunted in Africa for years and I think you would find his books intriguing. So he brought them to me. I began to read the first one. I could not put it down. Peter Capstick hunted what they call troubled animals in Africa for 13 years. Troubled animals means animals that are killing and eating people. He was the man that would be called to come and hunt these animals down. As I begin to read story after story, I tell you, it was like God put a magnifying glass on this scripture and started telling me this is what Simon Peter was trying to convey. This is what he was trying to say. Uh, if you would uh, walk with me for a few moments tonight, I will share with you only a few things that depict what a lion's nature is. There is story after story in Peter Capstick's books that let us understand how violent, how mean, how stealthy they are. Um, in a game reserve park in Kenya, it's called the Serengeti. I've been blessed to go to Africa twice, uh, and and we went across this park when I was there uh, the the first time, and it was six hours across. It's not like a park like we think park. When we pulled up to the gate, there's a little makeshift wooden gate, a little sign painted, somebody painted with some paint, just a little cheating, two guards with machine guns standing there, and the sign said, we are, enter at your own risk. We are not responsible for any deaths, attacks, or mauling. And for six hours there was no civilization. A dirt path that you had to carry extra gas with you in tanks in the back of your vehicle to get, we seen wild animal after wild animal. In that same park, a lion attacked an automobile and grabbed a little boy by the skull and dragged him out of his mother's arms. In that same park, there was a photographer who was pulled, he was there taking uh, pictures for uh, magazines such as National Geographic, etc. As he slept in his tent, he was pulled out of his tent one night by his head, by a lion and eaten from his head down to his toenails. I'm not trying to be grotesque tonight, but I want to get your attention before I'm done. There was a railroad being built in Africa that I will mention in just a moment. But one night two construction workers, or three rather, as they slept in their tent, uh, one of them was awakened by a horror of, of something he just felt like something was looking at him as his eyes focused to the blackness of the night. Uh, before he could see the lion, as his vision began to clear, a lion jumped through the door of the tent and grabbed this man by his throat and drug him out of the tent as this man began to scream. 
and tried to beat this lion off with his fist, no man is a match for the strength of a lion. The other men awoke in the tent, and to their horror they watched another lion come from the underbrush and grab that man, their co-worker by the legs, and they literally ripped his body limb from limb and devoured him. A male lion fully grown weighs between 350 and 500 pounds. The heaviest lion known in the wild was a man-eater shot in 1836 in South Africa. It weighed 690 pounds. A full-grown male lion is nine feet long. He stands three and a half feet at the shoulders. He can run 35 miles an hour. He can see clearly, remember this, in the pitch black of night. He can run down, leap up on, snap the back, destroy and drag away a 600 pound zebra. It would take six full grown men to drag that same zebra in the underbrush. But a lion can do it by himself. Charging lions have been known to cover a hundred yards in just over a few seconds. That's a football field. One, two, three. He's cleared it from one end to the other. Wouldn't they like to have him on their football team? A typical charge by a lion from 60 feet away, Peter Capstick said, takes the blinking of an eye. And he's on you that quick from 60 feet. The lunatic lion started in 1896 and ended in 1901. It stretched hundreds of miles through Africa. In 1898, it was a railroad being built to bring in cargo and food and such. In 1888, as they laid that track, it touched the Savo River, spelt T-S-A-V-O. And there they encountered two man-eating lions that they never knew they would encounter. And those lions began to wreak havoc upon those construction workers. At one point, they had to shut the railroad down for three weeks because one of those lions alone ate 125 men. George Rusby hunted. Africa don't want you to know this. They wouldn't get many tourists in a lot of places. George Rusby hunted down 15 man-eating lions. By the time he had killed them all, they had eaten some 1,500 to 2,000 natives. In 1991, a man-eating lion killed six people in the Lingua River Valley in Zambia. American and Tanzanian scientists report that man-eating behavior in rural areas of Tanzania increased greatly from 1990 to the year 2005. Lions attacked 815 people, killing 563 of them over this time period. Author, author Robert R. Frump wrote, 
in the man-eaters of Eden that refugees regularly crossing Kruger National Park at night in South Africa are attacked and eaten by the lions. Park officials have conceded that man-eating is a problem there. We're glad they finally was honest enough to say it. Trump believes thousands may have been killed in the decades after the park was sealed and forced the refugees to cross the park. Remember this, during the night. A man-eating lion was killed by game scouts in southern Tanzania in April 2004. It is believed to have killed and eaten at least 35 people in a series of incidents covering several villages in the Rafiji Delta coastal region. The Smithsonian reports that even though African lion populations have been drastically reduced in the past decades, lions still regularly eat people. And it's not uncommon for them to kill more than 100 people a year in Tanzania alone. Anybody want to be a missionary to Africa? Do you feel that calling in this service? I was preaching in an area of this state. A hilly area for a pastor years ago. Across the road from this man's house, there was a full-grown lion in a cage that the neighbor had raised from a cub. I went and met that lion. Ironically, his name was Capone. I remember when I got out of my car and I began to approach the cage. Man, his big old mane, he looked about like this lion here on the picture. His big old mane was rested in his, his big old cat eyes was looking at me. Oh, he looked so beautiful, so cuddly. You just want to reach in there and just, ooh, 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 that big mane. Until I got about from me to that wall from the cage and a deep growl began to come deep from within him. I want to tell you, it didn't sound like kitty kitty. It made you stop and go, whoa. Of course, me being a little aggravator and agitator to animals, and I moved forward. And as I got about from here to that cage, he jumps up and he begins to growl and snarl and look at me. And Well, it was tough because there was bars separating us, you know. And I grabbed a big old stick about, about, about this big around and I, I stuck it in there and he would, he would pow with his paw, snap it. One time he grabbed it with his jaws. I could not hold it. He snapped it and jerked it out of my hands. The owner had a toy in his cage that he played with. It was a bowling ball. I kid you not. He would walk to the edge of that cage and take that bowling ball and smack it. And then he would walk, flexing his muscles. I'm not a good example of that one. To the other side of the cage. And he would take that bowling ball. Pow! And it would sail through the air. It was a, it was a large, majestical creature. I've always been fascinated by him myself. And so, 
We closed the revival. I preached for him several more times through the years. And one day I was on the phone with this pastor. And I said, Brother so-and-so, I said, I said, how's Capone doing? He said, he's not doing well. He's dead. I said, he's dead. I said, what happened? He said, I went up there the other day. And he said, the owner was standing on the top of the cage and had a high-powered rifle in his hands. He said, I asked him, so-and-so, what are you doing? He said, I've got to kill Capone. I've got to take his life. He said, why do you have to take his life? He said, Pastor, let me tell you something. I am the only one this lion has ever had a relationship with. I have been its mother and its father. I weaned it from a bottle as a young cub. He said, I've always hand fed it. He said, but I've been noticing a change in his nature. He said, and the last time I went in there, before I could get out, he jumped on me and took a bite in my chest and I, I got away with minor wounds. He said, I've become to understand something. If he gets out, he's going to kill more than cattle. He's going to kill people. He said, because pastor, I understand something now about the beast. No matter how much I love him, no matter how much I try to domesticate him, he is still a lion. And I cannot change the nature of what he is. And I'm here to preach to you for the next few moments. Your adversary, the devil, is as a rolling lion. It don't matter how nice he tries to be to you. It does not matter how pretty he paints a picture of sin. You let me preach to you. He is a devil. He is a devil. He is your adversary. And one day, his nature is going to come out. Let's lift our hands and love the Lord and ask God to talk to us for the next little bit, shall we? Come on, young people, help me. Lift your voice and pray for just a moment. feel the Holy Ghost right now. Somebody love the Lord. Come on, lift your voice. Hallelujah. He is your adversary. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much money you have or you don't have. It does not matter what nationality you are. It does not matter how long you've lived for God. You have an adversary that is after your soul. That's why you got to stay sober. You've got to stay vigilant. you got to keep your guard up. you got to understand, I can't let my guard down. His nature is still a devil. A roaring lion, he said. Not just a lion. He's a roaring lion. I don't mean by any means to tear down. Please, anything any other preacher said. If they said it, they was trying to make a point by it. But I've heard some say that roaring lions are lions with no teeth. I don't know what lions they've been around. 
But the lions I've been around had big teeth and loud roars. I can't get into the characteristics of the eardrums that were busted by natives when the lion roared even though they did make it away from the attack and, and their life was spared, their eardrums were busted because how loud the roar is. Anybody ever had, I don't, I, I usually don't mention this, but anybody ever had a kitty cat lick them? Can I see your hand right now? Oh, come on, folks. I know there's some country in you folks somewhere. I've been licked, everybody's been licked by a kitty cat sometime in their life. Well, most folks have. What does it feel like? What does their tongue feel like? Sandpaper. Why don't you magnify that? About what? 50 times. And they said literally when a lion licks you, it takes the hide, the skin, clean off. It's like a belt sander that hit your skin. Everything about them. I don't have time to go into the sharpness of the claw and the diseases that's carried in their claws. I can't go into all of that. But he said he's a roaring lion. That means he's hungry, he's angry, and he's very, very bold. And he didn't stop there. He said, let me tell you something else about your adversary. He is seeking whom he may devour. He didn't say wound. He, he didn't say wound. He, he didn't say handicap a little bit. He didn't say slow down. He didn't say hinder. He said he's got one thing in mind when he comes after you. He wants to devour every good thing in your life. He wants to steal away all that is godly, all that is holy, all that is righteous. Help me, Lord. Anybody know what devour means? If you don't, go on a seven-day fast. And buy you a Big Mac on the end of the seventh day. And there won't be a sesame seed on the bun left. The wrapping paper won't have a sesame seed left. Devour. Gone. Nothing left. Peter Capstick said when he would go and sometimes they would not call him because he was such in demand. He was always on the trail of another man eating lion in those days. Nobody else was brave enough to hunt him. Literally. He was always on the trail. And he said when he would get to the next village, if the lion had killed 10, 13 people, he would always follow the blood trail of the last victim. And he said he hardly, when he got to where the lion finally took the meal, there was hardly ever anything left. He said one time the only thing he found of the man was a piece of his jawbone. He said, because lions devour their prey. And I'm here to preach to you, young, young person. Please hear me. Oh, God, hear me. Let's push away heaven or hell. Okay? Yes, there's a real hell. Yes, there's a real heaven. 
but let's push that aside right now because there's a part of me and I'm not going to mess with theology if any of these preachers disagree they're right and I'm wrong but there's a part of me that believes that the devil is not worried about you going to hell amen he's not there to torment you hell's not like some kind of place he's going to make fun of you at hell was made not for humanity hell was made for the devil and his angels humanity will go there because of the result of unforgiven sin so it's not like he's going to torment us in hell he's going to be tormented more than anybody so what's the purpose to defile you on the earth he hates anything that's godly he hates anything that's holy he hates anything that's righteous he's trying to defile you he's trying to if you can understand that sin will rape you strip you molest you and leave you in a ditch to die somewhere people say oh no but all that christian living that's hard let me tell you what's hard the way of a transgressor is hard sin will destroy you He wants to devour your life. He don't have good things to give you, young people. He don't need you. He simply uses you to destroy you. He would like to turn every young lady in this building into a prostitute on the streets of this city. He would love for you to have a needle in your veins being injected by drugs because of an addiction. He would love to hear the rattle of beer cans in the back floorboard of your car, young man, as the tires squealed and wrapped you around a tree in a sheet of metal. That's his plan. That's what he wants to do. He wants to make a laughing stock out of you. You just let me preach to you. He don't like it when you pray. He don't like it when you worship like you're worshiping in this place tonight. He don't like somebody going to help me. He don't like it when you begin to sing about the goodness of Jesus, about his presence. Is heaven to me. Heaven is not alcoholism. Heaven is not immorality. Heaven is not drug addiction. Heaven is God. How many times have you seen a godly young person that's been raised virtuous and pure and righteous and they walk away from the Lord? Are you hearing me? Are you in the back hearing me, Eva? Can you hear me? Hey Amen. How many times have we seen one of those clean, pure-looking kids taken advantage of by the devil and they walk away from God and you see them six months later in town and you don't even know who they are? Because sin takes its toll on the body so quick. Who's this lion you're preaching about, Brother Lance? He, he's the one who has broken up innocent families just like your family. He is the one that's turned young people such as is worshiping tonight into things they said they would never be. And took them to places they said they would never go. So don't say it won't happen to me. You say by the grace of God. 
it won't happen to me. He's the one that drives the man to rape and to molest and to murder the innocent children. He is, he is the one behind every, every violent war and every violent act of mankind. Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth and sea, for the devil is come down unto you having great wrath. He don't like you. His rage is against the righteous. He does not like God's children. Be seated for a moment. I know i got to hurry. But you folks worshipped, worshipped a long time. Can I have a few extra minutes tonight? I'll try not to bore you. I promise you. I'll try not to bore you. I'm hungrier than you are. <laughs> A young lady from our church. A young lady from our church. Let me tell you how quick it can happen. Let me tell you how he never stops. He always watches. He always waits for an opening in the door. One of our beautiful, virtuous, godly young ladies that never cut her hair, never been in the world, raised in church from one of our prominent families in the church I pastor. A couple of years ago, she was uh, 18 years old. A couple of years ago, I got a call from her father who was beside himself. And, and they waited too late to call me because they were too embarrassed, which they should not have done because I could have done something sooner. And said, you, you, i got to meet with you right now. I met what had happened is this young godly girl on our platform teaching our Sunday school. And I'm telling you, she, she was precious, is precious. Was in Walmart. Got some chapstick or lip balm. Just wanted to, just, just, that, that's all she was going to buy. And the line was so long. She was in a hurry, and she thought, man, I don't want to wait. It wasn't she didn't have the money. What is it, 99 cents? I don't know. I don't wear lip balm. <laughs> but Praise the Lord. <laughs> Are you proud of me? <laughs> that stuff's important in these days, ain't it? Oh, you are a good crowd. Thank you for putting that with me tonight. Instead of waiting in the line, she thought, it's a little, I'll just slip it in my pocket. Slip it in my purse. And when she walked out the door, they caught her. Boom. Took her back. I'm talking about a, I'm talking about a girl. Hadn't committed, never committed a crime. It would have been like my girl. I felt like when, it, when the news came to me, I felt like they had my girl. That's how personal I took this. What had happened is, the judge that she went for because they took her to the police car, they charged her, and they took her right then down to the courthouse. And they said at the time the judge had just passed a no tolerance even for first offense for shoplifters in Jackson. Put her immediately in jail right then with hardcore criminals. And it was, it was, this happened I believe Thursday or Friday, by the time they told me, it was Friday evening. I went down to the jail. I met with her. After I met with her, I went to find the judge. He was off the weekend. I couldn't. She had to spend three days. I couldn't do anything about it. Nothing I could do. When I walked in there, 
And I sat down, and I'm looking at a girl that's on our platform, and I'm looking at a girl that's pure, and I'm looking at a girl that loves God, and I'm looking at a girl that's not out. She hasn't wasted her life. She just made a small, ignorant mistake. She didn't create some huge crime. I'm looking at her, and when she walks in and sits down on that glass on the other side of me, she puts that long hair in her, in her hands, and she starts weeping uncontrollably. I had to pick up the phone and calm her down and say, it's going to be okay. God's going to take care of you. Here's what's going on. I'm telling you, I, it, it hurt me so bad. I wanted to break through that glass and get her out of there and take her home to her family. I didn't want her to be in there. Hey Amen. I was worried about her. I was concerned. Why are you telling this preacher? Because one small thing can turn into a very large consequence. Oh, come on, young people. Oh, it's just a wine cooler. Oh, it's just a little party. Come on, pastor. I'm only doing it one time. You've got to understand. He's waiting for an opening. He's after you. He does not like you. You're a trophy. Your adversary will use anything, anything he can to devour and destroy your life. Let's lift our hands and love the Lord. Thank God that girl responded right. We got her out of there. God protected her. Nobody harmed her in there. Those those criminals in there actually surrounded her and protected her from anybody. And she made a lot of friends and brought some of them to church. And I can't tell you the rest because I don't want to give away who she is because she is precious and wouldn't want that told. Amen. But God has blessed her and she she's a great young lady. Amen. Living for God. Uh, you can be seated. Well, let, let me go into this quickly in a hurry. When a man eating lion that is old and wise and knows how to hunt. Peter Capstick said, a old man-eating lion can walk into a camp and he can clean out an entire tent of men and never awaken one soul. Because that lion knows if, if he gets one and awakens like the story I told you before, he only gets that one. But if he can get them out and awaken none, he builds him up. Gruesome, but a buffet. <laughs> yeah, I have a little sick sense of humor. But, and so, here's how he does it. I, uh, in my, my, I don't remember, my, yeah, it was my first trip to Africa. This is a real lion's tooth. The, I'm not going into it. The most I killed this lion, gave it to the missionary, this tooth to the missionary from that lion, and gave it to me. Um, because lions, the lions uh, migrate, and, and, and the cattle um, owned by the Mosais, the lions begin to eat the cattle, and then the Mosais have to run them down. They can't outrun them, but they can outendure them. Then they surround them with spears, and sometimes one or two Mosai gets killed in the process, but they will get the lion. And this lion they killed. And what the lion does when he comes to the tent, he opens 
You know how stealthy a cat is. So it is with a large lion. Very stealthy. You can't hear him. You can't see him. He creeps in the darkness of night. And he goes to the man closest to the door of the tent. He raises or opens, rather, his massive jaws, places them over the head of the man sleeping, positions the fangs in the eye socket and in the back of the head. And with one chomp, the pressure, the fangs penetrate the brain of the man. The man hardly even flinches, much less makes a sound. He drags him out slowly, takes him to the underbrush, comes back, gets the next one closest to the door, drags him out. Let me tell you, you need to be very, very, very aware of something. Amen. The devil, your adversary, is going to come by and stalk your family, your youth group, and your life. And I'm weary with those that want to see how close they can get to the world and still live for God. How close? Come on, what can I get by with it? How many times have we heard this? Is it a heaven or hell issue? Can I preach a few moments? A lot of things we do is not heaven or hell. It's steps that gets us away from the door. Because when the... I want to obey the Holy Ghost. I want to help a young person tonight. When the lion comes around, when your adversary starts coming around, hey, I want to tell you, I don't want to be close to the world. I want to be as close to God as I can get. Get me away from the door. I don't want to be caught in my slumber. Oh, God help me. And so young folks, these rules and these standards and these restrictions are not to hurt you or harm you. They are to protect you. They are to keep you from harm. They are to keep you from sexual immorality. They are to keep you away from the door that when your adversary gets close, he ain't going to get Let me ask you something. It's not the most spiritual one that he gets first. It's the one he's walking close to the edge. One at a time. In all my travels and all the churches I've been blessed to preach at, I've never seen, I've never seen the devil clean out an entire youth group in a short period of time. But how many times have I seen him take them apart slowly, one by one? I'll just take this one this year. I'm not going to make a big sound. I'm not going to make a big fuss. Just, and I'm going to let everybody say, oh, I knew they wouldn't really. In church, I knew their heart wasn't really. I'm knocking on your door right now, young folks. Young people, be honest. You can be brutal to other young people. I knew they always had that edge about them. I knew that, and, and you just cut them off. 
and still everybody sleeps in their Pentecostal slumber. Dead church, careless lifestyles, and before long next year, another one slips away. Ah, yeah, I'm doing it. Here comes the accusations. I want to tell you what should happen if we just lose one young person. There ought to be a fire started in our church. Amen. There ought to be an alarm going on. I'm trying to sound the alarm tonight. I'm trying to blow the trumpet tonight. I'm trying to let you know one means he's coming back for another. Start praying. Start fasting. Start being concerned. Is this all right? It bothers me when we lose one. My last, my last trip to Africa, we hunted in Tanzania in a very remote area. On the way in, way away from any roads. We were in the middle of nowhere, way back in the bush. Set up our tents. Uh, the, 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 the trees around our tents was raw from elephants that had rubbed them. Cape Buffalo came by the tents. Hyena came by. We were in the middle of the African bush. They call it the bush area. You can be walking and not see anything and walk around and there's a herd. We hunted there for several days. We killed several animals, two Cape buffalo, one of them that my nephew had taken. They don't have refrigeration, they have electricity in, in these parts, especially in those areas. So they smoke, they dry out the meat. So they built this makeshift wood thing over a fire. And they put all this huge Cape buffalo, cut him up and put, him on, put his head up there and all, all drying it out. The last night we were there, had it not been the scheduled last night, it would have been the last night. Oh, yeah. It was. See, I, I'd already read these books, and I, you know, I knew. They, the natives know. And the natives don't play with that. I slept close to my deer rifle every night. Uh, come here, honey. Because they were there. We seen footprints. We knew they were there. The last night, because it's known, it was the natives' job. There was the natives' tent here, missionaries' tent here, my tent here, fire, buffalo here. They knew their job was to keep the fire going all night long. And to keep the three lanterns lit that were on or hanging in the front of each tent, three of them, all night Long. Get up every couple of hours, keep the fire stoked, keep the lanterns going. I woke up in the darkness of the night, and it wasn't very bright. And I went, I looked out, my lantern was out, missionary's lantern was out, their lantern was out, and the fire was just smoldering. And I started going, Hey! I didn't know how to say hey in Swahili, so I just went, hey! Ooga booga, something! I was just making noise. <laughs> finally, finally I heard, zzz, zzz, zzz. 
you know, they start, and I hear them, and they're speaking Swahili, and they're going back, and they realized, when they woke up, they realized, oh, Lord, it's dark out here. We got And I heard them out there, pumping those lanterns back. Little did we know, three lions had already came in, and guess who they got closest to? Where they finally stopped and turned and went and got the head of the Cape Buffalo was ten steps from my head where I slept in the tent. Ten steps. And they drug it off about a hundred yards and they cleaned it bone dry. What is the moral of the story? I realized how important the fire is. I realized. Hear me. I realize those lions were probably there every night. They just laid away in the darkness. They just stayed on the clock every hour they could. They just kept watching. They just kept prowling. Amen. And so they waited for the opening in the door. They waited for us to get in such slumber. We forgot about the fire. And we forgot about the light. And here they came. They would have never came in had we kept the fire going. They would have never came in had we kept the lantern light. I want to tell you the greatest thing our young folks could have is the fire of the Holy Ghost, not only in their lives, but in every church service they're in. You let me tell you, we can't afford dead church. Why all these young people doing all this kind of stuff and doing all, I want to tell you why. We got to keep the fire going. Church has got to be exciting. We got to have a light to shine in our sanctuary because there's a real devil waiting out there and somebody has to stoke the fire. Come on, let's worship the Lord for just a moment. Every voice lifted unto Jesus right now. Come on, lift your voice, everybody. I, I close with this. I'm not going to finish tonight. I'm not going to finish. But I close with this. The August issue of National Geographic featured an article on Lions of Darkness by Derek and Beverly Jubert. Now, this wasn't this year. This was several years ago. The Juberts are a husband and wife team who have spent over 11 years in Africa, 11 years studying lions. In this article, they found something about the hunting activities of lions, how lions hunt their prey. They stated... That in Savuti National Park, they had identified approximately 120 individual lions in six different prides using field marks such as scars, ear nicks, and whisker spot patterns. All told, we have logged more, they said, we have logged more than 24,000 hours of observation with these lions. 
And they said, we have witnessed more than 4,750 kills by these lions. So they had watched those lions kill. 4,750 other animals for their food. 1,300 of them successful kills. Our observations have led us to conclude that the rhythm of the moon is very important to the lion's hunting. Only 5% of the kills were observed during daylight. Only 5%. Of the kills that took place at night, 85% of those occurred when the moon was less than half full or when it was below the horizon. Everybody say when it was very dark. These lions have learned that too much moon light makes their hunting less successful. When it is bright, their prey can spot them coming. The Bible says it like this. You're aware of Satan's devices. But I want to tell you, churches with no fire are breeding grounds for evil spirits. Youth groups with no prayer and no worship and carnal attitudes are breeding grounds for evil spirits. Oh, somebody with me right now. And so I close this message by telling you, if there's ever an hour, we need to proclaim, preach, and practice Pentecostal worship and Pentecostal prayer. It's the hour that we are in at this present day. God give us young people that says, whatever I got to do, I'm going to stoke the fire. Whatever I got to do, I'm going to get in that prayer room before church. I'm going to be on the front row. I'm going to be the first one in the altar. I'm trying to get away from the gore. Anybody believe in apostolic worship? Anybody anybody believe in jumping and shouting and clapping and running and dancing? I want to tell you, we have got to shine the light. Lift your voice, lift your hands, and let's pray right now. I need some help. I need somebody to lift their voice. We are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. preaching listen to me I'm preaching as I'm reaching for kids tonight that wasn't shouting and wasn't worshiping and wasn't really singing you were were in the motion but in your heart you've been thinking about walking away In your heart, you've been getting closer to the door while you're at school and nobody knows. 
in your heart you've been easing closer to the edge and you're keeping it from a lot of folks and I'm warning you in the Holy Ghost there's a devil that don't like you you hear me young lady he don't have good things in store for your life I don't take a service like this lightly brother Griffith I'm not playing games tonight I'm very serious there's souls in the balance brother But there's another lion called the lion of the tribe of Judah that can outpower, that can outstalk, that can outfight any evil spirit that's after your life. Listen to me, young person. Maybe you've made some mistakes. And maybe you failed. And maybe you haven't been. Listen to me. You haven't been everything you think you need to be. And the devil's saying you've already done all this, so just go ahead and do that. No, no. Paul said this. God delivered me out of the mouth of the lion. That's what Apostle Paul said. Paul said, I didn't give in to it. Right when I was fixing to be devoured, I lifted my voice. I repented. I said, I need the help of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson, and God delivered him out. And he rent the lion with his own hands. God delivered Daniel out of a whole den of lions. Don't tell me God can't. And David said, The Lord hath delivered me out of the paw of the lion. Is there a young person in here that says right now, you know what, I'm really not concerned about going to eat. I'm really not concerned about who's here tonight and who's not here. I really don't care about what's going on tomorrow. i got to get to that altar. And i got to get the fire going again. God, you got to give me a renewing tonight. you got to refill me with the Holy Ghost. you got to forgive me, Lord. you got to help me with these struggles, God. Come on, is there any young person? Come, 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 come. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Start pumping that lantern in the Holy Ghost. Start pumping that lantern in the Holy Ghost. Let the light begin to push out the darkness in your life. Come on, put him on the run. Come on, put him on the run. Come on, lift your voice.
The more I got into this message tonight, the more I understood why God dealt with me to preach it.